It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I think I don't I don't do drip or money or fashion. I do art. Hey, what is going on? Welcome to episode number 670 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, February the 27th. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got the Locked On NHL Network going strong. The trade deadline was this week. If the team that you like in the NHL may to trade go and check out the corresponding locked on show to get all the deets on what the trade means for your team and the playoff run and all that good stuff our hosts are doing excellent work over there we've also got the nfl network covering the combine and uh, draft season and all that good stuff and uh, plenty more on the network as baseball gets going too we've got the mlb shows up and running daily too uh no shortage of stuff for you to check out on the locked on podcast network so please go and do that it's uh, much appreciated also subscribe to rate and review any show on the network that you would like to support all right on today's show it's just me going solo and there's some news to talk about and some updates from raptors practice earlier on today especially as it pertains to norman powell who we will hear from in the second segment of the show i'm just gonna run his availability because he was pretty good it was nice to hear from norm again after quite a while away he practiced today and Nick Nurse said he's questionable for the game against the Hornets on Friday, which I think is wonderful news, considering this is like the early, early por- portion of the timeline, I think, when he broke his hand. It was four weeks, and I think the four-week mark was exactly February 28th. So if you can have that kind of quick turnaround with a hand injury, that is awesome. Even if he's not back against the Hornets, it seems like he's going to be back in very short order here. He was out shooting. He's been able to stay conditioned. He's been able to, uh, you know, do right-handed drills because it's been his left hand that's been screwed up. So we'll hear from Norman just a little bit here in the second segment of the show and get an update from him as to where he's at right now, physically, mentally, all that good stuff as he uh, works to make a return to the lineup. And if, so just before I get into the actual meat of the show, I should promote as well. I wrote a piece for RaptorsHQ.com today that uh, is all about Terrence Davis and Norm Powell. And it was really cool talking to Nor- uh, Terrence Davis after the game against the Bucks on Tuesday and sort of asking him, you're sort of looking at the similarities between him and Norm Powell's games and how Davis was able to have an effect on the Bucks game and his sort of first step and his explosiveness, his dynamism, his ability to get to the rim with no fear. And really, that was the thing that was missing the most in that game against the Bucks was a lack of fear of the Bucks' very, very good rim protectors. Sometimes you just got to go do it, as Terrence Davis told me after the game. And so I wrote about that and wrote about how Norm Powell was taking him aside during the game and offering him tips and how Davis had sort of looked at back in the in the annals of Norm Powell. Powell's history of destroying the Milwaukee Bucks, he had looked 
at games in the past and sort of had those in his mind as well. So go read that at RaptorsHQ.com. I thought it was pretty cool, pretty fun, and uh, very soon the Raptors are about to have two Norm Powell slash Terrence Davises slash Milwaukee Bucks murderers, which is very cool. Um, so we'll get to, again to Norm in the second segment of the show. Also some news from uh, practice, or I guess not really practice, just the injury report. Serge Ibaka listed as questionable with uh, right knee soreness, and so that's a little bit concerning for sure. We'll get to that. And also uh, some mailbag questions in the back part of the show. What actually I'm going to do, I was going to have just today be a mailbag show, but there ended up being actual news to talk about. So I'm going to transfer over most of the mailbag questions I got from the listeners to Friday's show. I'll record a Friday mailbag. I'll get that up sometime in the morning. And uh, so you'll have most of your mailbag questions answered then if you sent one, but I will probably get to one or two in the final segment of today's show. All right, let's get to the breakingest of the news. And that is Serge Ibaka, the most recent news, at least. We didn't really hear about this at practice. Didn't notice Serge Ibaka hanging around at practice today, um, which, you know, was, I guess, something I should have made more of a mental note of. By the way, Ibaka is on the injury report for Friday's game against the Hornets with what they're calling right knee soreness. And look, I would imagine if he's questionable today, given the way the Raptors have been conservative with this type of thing, and given that they survived a game a couple weeks ago against another very bad team in the Minnesota Timberwolves without Serge Ibaka and just ran Ronda Hellish Jefferson at the five, I think they'll probably err on the side of caution. I would expect we won't see a Serge Ibaka play, and I kind of hope we don't see a Serge Ibaka play if he's dealing with something in his knee. You know, as much as there is a tough road trip coming up here, there are some weird sort of soft spots in the schedule. There's like four or five days off at one point in the middle of the month. There's another three-day layoff later in the month as well. And so there's some time here to get these guys a little bit of rest. And I think if some soreness in the knee is going to give you an excuse to give Serge Ibaka a little time off after he just had his worst game of the season, maybe his worst game since like the 2018 playoffs against the Bucks on Tuesday, and, you know, considering how he's played and the, the load he's had to carry without Marcus on the lineup for much of the last couple months here, I would not be upset to see Serge Ibaka get a little load management against a not very good team in the Charlotte Hornets, who I think the last time the Raptors played them, they were a little bit frisky and like sort of maybe flirting with potentially being in the conversation. Then that Like all of those caveats apply for the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. That is no longer the case. The Hornets suck, and I think the Raptors can probably get by the Hornets without Serge Ibaka and it gives you another chance to run out that Rondé Hollis Jefferson at the five look which I think is going to be pretty important I think I wrote a piece a couple weeks back after that Wolves game about how I think the Rondé at center minutes are really the only way he's going to get minutes in the postseason and the only way you're going to be able to justify getting him out on the floor for his defense just because you know if he's out there with someone who's like not a super great shooter and you know Serge Ibaka for example that's a, 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 a guy that I think we saw from the Bucks, like elite teams as much as Ibaka has been bombing away from three this season I think elite teams are going to say mm, uh, we're, we're okay with Ibaka being the guy who shoots threes on us so if that's the case and he's sort of you know spaced and it's a little bit tricky out there or you're forcing Rondé to be the spacer to the corner by having Ibaka play the five and be the dive man 
you're just not getting much out of Rondé on offense. As much as he's fun and weird and does cool, funky layups all the time, I'm not really sure how much you want that in a playoff series where dependability is kind of important. And so at center, it's, I think, really the only way he's going to make his bones in the postseason. We saw in the Bucks series or in the Bucks game on Tuesday him like running point guard a little bit, which I don't think is an experiment that is long for this world. And I don't wish it to be because it was a little bit weird and clunky. And I mean, I would just rather have the ball in Kyle Lowry or Fred Van Vliet or pretty much anybody else's hands. Um, and I don't think it's worth like the Rondé defense to have him out there, you know, dribbling and, and running, running the offense as a way to mitigate his lack of shooting. And so, like I said, I think at five is where it's going to be for him if he is to play in the postseason at all. And, and there might be fewer and fewer postseason minutes up for grabs than there ever were. And that's an interesting thing to keep an eye on here. As we see Matt Thomas kind of get into Nick Nurse's good graces a little bit here. As we see Terrence Davis, I think, really sort of get a, a, a firm grip on a, on a playoff rotation spot. And as Patrick McCaw, who was also at practice today putting up shots, I would imagine he's going to come back soon and find his way back into Nick Nurse's heart inexplicably. So that's another thing to keep in mind of here too Rondé is going to be in tough to get minutes either way but the, again the center is kind of where it'll be and I am curious to see that look once again and I think that's a nice little as, as all the injuries this season have been for the Raptors there have been silver linings and that it's helped you get looks at different things that maybe you never would have gotten to if the team had been healthy for the for the most part this season and you know guys were sort of playing the roles that were expected of them and injuries have caused us to see Chris Boucher kind of jump on the scene as like a real rotation player who does incredibly fun things when he's out there when he's not bricking threes and playing erratically and falling down um same as gone for Rondé I mean when he's out there and good things are happening it is truly exhilarating also goes for Matt Thomas too none of that happens if there are not a thousand injuries on this team and so I, I think again if Ibaka misses the game against the Hornets on Friday I'm not terribly worried about it the Hornets who do they even play at center one of the Zellers Cody Zeller I guess is the Zeller they play I don't care the, all the Zellers are the same to me um, they're they're just not a good team and I mean they've been I guess a little bit better lately they're four and six in the last ten they're a little bit sort of frisky and hanging around but I think with Zeller as their starting center, Bismack as their other center that they run out there too, I, I think you can kind of get away probably with a smaller, less offensive option in Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and see how it works. And ultimately, uh, even if they lose to the Hornets in embarrassing fashion on Friday night, I would prefer that than to sort of run Serge Ibaka out there when he's not 100%, especially considering maybe that knee was part of his problems against the Bucks. I don't know. I'm just inferring here. It seems weird that this injury pops up and he ha happens to have his worst game in months or years or whatever it was. And so, yeah, caution is good. As they've exercised with Marcus Gasol, I would imagine they'll continue to do the same with Serge Ibaka because he's very, very important to what the Raptors want to do. And that two-man center combination, having those both of those guys healthy in April is so much more important than having them healthy and playing them through stuff on February the 28th. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
All right, let's continue on. And as promised, let's hear from Norman Powell, who spoke to the media today, his first time talking to the media in a little while as he's been out with that hand injury. And again, good news on the horizon for Norm Powell, which is excellent and wonderful and very, very overdue. And man, he would have been nice to have in that game against the Bucks. And he actually talked about that a little bit in his scrum today, about how he was sort of watching along from the sidelines during that Bucks game and just really hoping he'd get in there. Because if anyone knows how to exploit and beat the Bucks. Man, is it Norman Powell. Uh, all right, let's hear Norman Powell today at practice. And please excuse the low rumble of a thousand basketballs uh, being bounced in the background. It's a little bit annoying, but uh, you think you should be able to get through it. And Norm's got himself a nice deep baritone that cuts through it like butter. Uh, yeah, you know, um, after a while, you know, it gets a little frustrating and you get a little uh, anxious to get out there and play, especially watching games like uh, the Milwaukee one and others we have that's been close and the guys pull it out and you, know, you just want to get out there and go to war with your team. you consider this ahead of schedule then? Um, honestly, uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the medical staff has always done a great job with uh, with my injuries and other guys as well. So I've just been listening to them and uh, they're trying to keep me uh, level-headed and as sane as possible going through all the rehab process and the little things you got to do to, you know, stay ready, stay in shape when uh, they clear you. Yeah, I mean, uh, the good thing that was wasn't my shooting hand, so I was able to, you know, do a lot of right hand uh, workouts on the court, and um, uh, the cardio was fine just because it was a hand, you know, it wasn't uh, any lower body injury, so I was able to pretty much get the cardio um, going right away. Does that make it easier mentally that you can do that stuff, or is it even more frustrating? No, it's frustrating because you want you want to do so much more once you get going, you know, like you're kind of okay with the warm up and uh, the start of it, but you know, you're getting. Then when you're working out and you get a good feel, you want to go go full uh, uh, go full speed and all out. But um, so it was kind of frustrating getting told I can't do this, can't do that. You know, it's got to wait. Um, but you know, I just stay with the process and try to make uh, the negative of the injury uh, become a positive in different ways. Um, today was the first day back with it. Um, uh, felt pretty good. Um, you know, um, I don't know what it is, but I was cleared, you know, today to be able to go out there and practice and uh, get a full feel of everything like that. So after I'm done talking to you guys, we'll go talk to the training staff and see. But um, yeah, it's, it's up to them to see what they want to do with me. Um, I've been pushing since uh, I got hurt. So, <laughs> um, you know, that's to wrap it, whatever it is, uh, to get me back out there, you know, and uh, they've always told me to, uh, to calm down and trust them, and I do. So um, I'm not going to force their hand and try to get me out there if they don't think I'm ready to go. Yeah, um, uh, I always do, you know, and I, and I talk to the guys about uh, who they're facing and, um, you know, coverages and things like that. You know, it's always about staying mentally prepared and, and ready and locked in. Uh, even when you're out, that's how you get better. That's how you stay um, in the flow of things, even though you're not on the floor. Um, to your question about Charlotte, Charlotte's a good team. You know, we've had uh, uh, some good fights with them this year. Um, they're young. You know, they, they play with high intensity. Uh, Graham and Rozier do a great job of, of leading that team, scoring for them, getting guys involved. Uh, Bridges is uh, having a great year, uh, PJ's coming along really well. Uh, so they got they got guys and they compete hard. Um, they they fight and um, they go out there and scrap. So um, I'm looking forward to a good game. 
Um, a lot, you know, just because uh, the way their team is structured and, and who they have. You know, they have a lot of guys and they're developing and they're getting a lot of opportunity to play, you know, and they all go out with go out there with, with a lot to prove and you see it, you know, uh, each and every night they're battling teams, come down to a wire even when they're down, you know, they're they're uh, finding uh, ways to come back in some, in some games and, you know, that's what you like to see in a team and that's exactly how we are. What's the season been like for you, Norm? I mean, it's been a great season for you, a great season for the team, but at the same time it sort of has to be frustrating that you have to miss time on a, on a couple of occasions. Um, I think the season's been really well, you know, uh, uh, really good uh, for me, uh, for the team, you know, um, just the way uh, the approach is for all of us uh, going out there and playing and competing. Um, Honestly, I haven't really looked at the injuries and um, these second back as something uh, negative. You know, I, I see it as uh, this opportunity to, to get better in other ways. And I think that just comes with the growth of my mental approach uh, to the season and uh, my play, good games, bad games, whatever it is, just staying even keel and focused on um, what I'm trying to achieve and what the team is trying to achieve and not getting outside of that. It's all about us. They've been staying calm and staying in the moment, and that's what I've been doing. So taking everything as it comes and running with it. Um, studying film um, is, is a lot of it, you know, because you can't be up there on the floor. Um, talking to guys, um, looking at the different coverages and schemes that the team uh, is running uh, and the opponents are running, uh, you know, just staying with it and trying to digest as much basketball as you can, talking to the coaches, uh, uh, different things like that, and just working on weaknesses. Um, you know, I can't do a lot with my left, but working on tightening up my handle with the right and uh, passes, things like that, um, and where I can get better um, in reading the second and third level of the defense uh, you know that's how you uh, get better and uh, you start to think positively then um, I'm out with an injury I can't do anything I can't do that um, it's just uh, trying to find ways to improve honestly I don't know the terminology for it uh, so uh, but they, they gave me the go-ahead so I mean it's good to practice and I'm just gonna go from there um, they didn't x-ray it. Uh, I just talked to the doctor this morning, and uh, he tested it out. Uh, did his, his thing. Uh, you know, he's the expert. Um, and he said uh, it was good to, you know, start having a pad on it and seeing how I feel. And um, like I said, after practice, I'm going to go talk to Scotty and Alex and Amanda and Gio, and we're going to discuss uh, the next steps. You guys have a broken fingers and thumbs group chat yet? <laughs> I know, right? Everybody's uh, getting something. I think Fred and Kyle had had uh, both thumbs or something like that, and JV had the same thing twice on his hand, Pat so. Oh, um, Pat, yeah, so, I don't know, man, I think we're, we're <laughs> oh, Matt had the finger, you're right. I think we're just all, all uh, so close, and uh, our chemistry's so good, we're just having the same injuries. <laughs> <laughs> it's always tough to watch on the sideline. Was the Bucks game particularly tough, just being familiar with that team and how the game was going? Uh, yeah, definitely, I mean, that, that game was intense uh, for the full 48 minutes, you know, they pulled away a little bit at the end, but, you know, we fought, we battled, um, they had their runs, we had our runs, and you know, you just want to get out there and see, like, when certain guys are scoring, that you know, like, I can, I can guard that, you know, he's not getting that if I'm out there. But um, uh, it's just fun to watch and see those guys uh, compete and, you know, really show that um, there's not much separation between uh, any of the teams in the league. Shoelace, uh, nah, that injury's not not this one, but um, we'll see. I mean, like I said, I'm gonna go with what they say, and uh, if they give me the okay, I'm, I'm gonna be out there. And if they don't, then you know, just wait until they clear me to get out there and play.
there you have it. Norman Powell, who has been cleared for contact and practice and is questionable for the game on Friday against the Charlotte Hornets. That is good to see. Also lovely to hear him talk about how much he trusts the Raptors medical staff, which apparently, you know, ask a Philly fan if that's a thing that is a prevailing sentiment from their players ever. Uh, it's a nice thing to have. One of those nice little feathers in the cap of the franchise. It's uh, it's pretty cool. And it's nice to see Norm on the track for a return very, very soon here. Looking forward to that. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. All right, let's wrap up the show now by taking a quick look at one of the mailbag questions that came in as a bit of an amuse-bouche ahead of the full mailbag podcast that I'll put out for you guys tomorrow. And the special lucky question has to do with the guy I wrote about today on brand, on topic, all that stuff. This comes from Jake at underscore GodBuckets underscore. And he asks, what do you think Terrence Davis's ceiling looks like and what's the likelihood that he'll get there? Ceiling questions are always so hard, right? Because they can kind of change and are so fluid. I mean, think of Pascal Siakam. I I feel like his first season, I'm pretty sure the ceiling and the comp I threw out for him and a lot of people threw out was like Tristan Thompson, like good offensive rebounder, you know, sort of maybe undersized for a center, but still good enough defensively, energetic, doesn't have much touch outside of around the rim. And look at how ridiculously off that was. And now Siakam seems like some sort of like, I don't want to say dollar store Giannis, but somewhere in that sort of milieu of player. And that was completely out of left field and totally took everybody by surprise. And I think even if you would have looked at what he was like in his second season as just sort of like a really energetic off the bench defender and guy who would get out and run you know, really effective player, obviously, but I still think the ceiling for him would have been like, okay, maybe he's like 60% of like a Draymond Green type. And it's just like a completely different player type now. And, you know, even before this year, how could we have known that he was going to change his shot profile so much and completely alter where his offense comes from and completely change himself into a number one option? Look, the growing pains are there, obviously, and we'll see what the ceiling is actually going to be for him in the next couple of years here. But, you know, it's been a really nice start here in year one as a top option for Siakam. And so that's why the, the ceiling question is tough. But with Terrence Davis, I think there are some very sort of real skills that are very easy to point out. More so, he's more of a molded player, I think, than Siakam was when he first came came in despite them both being four-year players obviously Siakam had started started playing basketball much later in life than than Terrence Davis did although Davis was a football player as well too so um, you know there's a lot going on there and you know who knows how the football kind of played into his development as a player hampered it growing up or whatever but it does he does feel like a bit of a more 
But he does feel like a bit of a more rounded and sort of refined player with very noticeable skills that, honestly, I'm not sure how much some of the things Terrence Davis has done this season can improve because he's been just so lights out. I mean, the three-point shooting, if you're a 40% three-point shooter, you're kind of elite as it is. Like, that's where you want to be. That is the top of the pops, as it were. I just said top of the pops? What the hell am I? Um, but that that is, like, what what was that? Anyway, he like, the, the three-point shooting is something that's going to be tough for him to improve on just because, like, he's already elite at it as it is. And, I mean, maybe you get to 43 44% and become super-duper elite. But I kind of think with some of the difficulty of the shots he takes and I I think as he sort of dives into the realm of pull-up threes a little bit more, which I think is really going to have to be something he focuses on as he sort of, you know, looks to maximize that ceiling. If he can become a guy who can hit pull-up threes and run pick and roll and use the threat of his shooting to, you know, change the way defenses have to play and, and throw them off and, you know, do the thing Kyle Lowry did when he became the player he became, uh, you know, that is, I think, sort of one of the keys to reaching whatever his ceiling looks like. But, you know, I think people have thrown around like probably very irresponsible, like Russell Westbrook comparisons just because of the athleticism and the burst and the fearlessness and all that stuff. And all that stuff is absolutely there. And again, you know, I don't want to go and say anyone's going to have the same sort of curve as Pascal Siakam, but you don't want to rule out something remarkable from happening, especially on a team like the Raptors, where they've proven they can really mold players into something much more than they are when they get their hands on them over the course of multiple years. And so with Davis, like, yeah, the, the pick and roll handling and the decision making will have to come and the three point shooting off the bounce as opposed to just catch and shoot stuff is going to have to really get there. But a lot of the stuff for him is, is already really nice and refined. Like his finishing around the rim is absurd. And I'm not sure how much better you can get than some of the wacky ass finishes he busts out and throws off high off the glass and, you know, has in his sort of tool bag when he goes in to challenge those rim protectors. Uh, you know, it's already pretty elite stuff for him. I guess some subtle refinement and some subtle improvement in that finishing ability around the rim can always be done. And as he gets more acquainted and more sort of understanding of what he's up against with every single team and every single shot blocker that comes around, I'm sure he'll get, you know, sort of more intuition as to how certain guys should be handled. Maybe he needs to work on a bit of a floater in between game as well. I think that was sort of a problem for Norm Powell early in his career, right? Where we saw he was so dependent on the straight line drive and so dependent on the lefty finish. And I think Davis is far ahead of where Powell was in terms of his finishing and his craftiness around the basket uh, in year one than Powell was even, you know, a couple years ago, a, a few years into his career that, uh, you know, that that's really encouraging for Davis. It's just, where does it go? How, how much better does it get? Like, does he become like a Kyrie Irving circus shot finisher? Probably not. That is kind of one of the most incredible individual skills in the league that Kyrie has as much as Kyrie has his foibles he's an insanely good finisher and that is something that is nice to aspire to for sure but I don't think you can realistically say oh yeah Terrence Davis is going to become one of the all-time great like finishers around the basket he's already got a pretty good you know bag of tricks around there which is a really really nice spot to start um the sort of the playmaking I think is there like he's got the vision I think it's just going to come down to reps right and I think if he can get more reps as sort of a lead ball handler that'll be nice I, I don't know if he's ever going to be like a true point guard necessarily I think sort of a two guard is probably where he'll end up and you know it's weird and I wrote about this today the, the the comp that really comes to mind is Norm Powell in a way because of the irrational confidence because of the just like the the fearlessness he has because of the explosion he has and the ability I think that he's going to have to really exploit 
rotating defenses down the line. Like he could be the guy who's standing in the corner getting a swing and then driving off of that against a defense that's compromised. And that could be, you know, a reason why he destroys Milwaukee and also other teams throughout the rest of his career, right? Like that is very much, I, I think, on the table for him. And so, oddly enough, like Norm Powell does come to mind as a comparison. I think Josh Richardson as well is someone I've seen thrown around as like, Maybe not someone who you want being your lead ball handler, just because maybe there's not the decision making or the like the individual shot creation. Although it seems like Davis might have that because of his first step and his explosiveness, and just his crazy athleticism. But you know, Richardson is a really you know great athlete, and he's a pretty good shooter. And, and I, I think it's also important to keep in mind that Davis might not always be a forty percent three point shooter. I mean, he's in a situation where the threes are bountiful and they're wide open most of the time with this Raptors team that might not always be the case we never know what the sort of team dynamics and the structure is going to look like down the line so that's important to keep in mind as well the, th- the looks he's getting are certainly a big reason why he's been so effective but also the confidence and the way he steps into them and the fearlessness and the sort of extreme gunner mentality of yeah I missed that last seven but I'm gonna hit the next one like that is really really nice to have Davis is the kind of guy who in his career is going to be like a perfect guard to have with one of those sort of dominant like superstar wings. You know, I'm not saying Giannis, maybe Giannis, but like someone like that, right? Where, you know, a LeBron, for example, like he would he would be a perfect teammate for LeBron in theory because he he can sort of handle the ball he can do stuff with it in his hands but he doesn't have to have it all the time he can kind of just hang around and wait for the defense to overload on the superstar and then it can come to him and then he can kind of exploit that so he just will be a guy who's highly coveted by teams that have most of their playmaking flow through a wing and that's not every team obviously those that's sort of reserved for superstar status guys but I think that you know a, a guard who can defend the one and two and even down to the three who can handle it a little bit can sort of be your non-traditional point guard if you don't really want to have a point guard out there like imagine the Lakers right now with Terrence Davis as their point guard as opposed to Ron, Rajon Rondo or whatever the hell garbage they're rolling out there at point guard Contavious Caldwell Pope he's handling the ball sometimes for them it's wacky if you had Terrence Davis there like again he's like your nominal point guard on the starting lineup card but he doesn't have to really operate as that and I think that might be the the best usage of him down the line and that's kind of where he succeeds with the Raptors right I think we saw maybe he was over exposed a little bit early in the season when Kyle Lowry went down and there were times where you know yes McCaw was sort of the de facto point guard but Davis was taking on a lot taking on a lot of the offensive burden and he just didn't quite have the juice to you know set up his teammates and things like that that's going to be the thing that takes the longest time to come around I'm sure for him but the sort of excellent super duper high end fourth or fifth option in a starting five I think is really a very exciting proposition for Terrence Davis and the fact that they got him undrafted is absurd and I mean there's also I guess like the Jamal Crawford like Lou Williams type of comparison where like just insane microwave score without a conscience just like the insane microwave score without a conscience who comes in off the bench um do I do I want to say Terrence Ross kind (laughs) of like something like that maybe a little bit more of a consistent 
Terrence Ross, which just makes me weep inside to say, but um, that that kind of guy where, again, I don't think he's ever going to be like the best player on a championship team or anything like that because that's really hard for someone to be. But like the third or fourth guy on a really damn good team where he's surrounding a superstar, that's why I think he's going to be such a great fit for Siakam as Siakam begins to sort of, you know, grow into his role and sort of hone his ability as a, as a primary ball handler. And if he wants to become one of those sort of Giannis type players where, yes, he's a four on the lineup card, but he's sort of running the offense through him most of the time. I think Davis will be a really, really nice compliment to that. You know, I could see Davis being like, and it's funny considering he was on the Nuggets summer league team, but like imagine that dude spotting up and cutting and dunking around Nikola Jokic like that's terrifying to think about too and the Raptors have a lot of these types of guys they have Marcus Saul like a wonderful big man passer who you know can find a cutting Terrence Davis better than pretty much anybody right and um, you know offers that spacing and the the pick and pop to sort of offer some space and, and freedom in the lane for for Davis to really take advantage of his best gift which is his first step so that's kind of what I see I don't love player comps but those types of guys and that sort of role, I think, is what the ceiling looks like for Terrence Davis. And uh, that's pretty damn exciting, considering he was not even on the Raptors Summer League roster when the team got to Vegas last season. And they were just like, nope, you're ours now. Very cool stuff. So I think that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for the question, Jake. And thanks to everyone else who sent in questions. I will get to those tomorrow, I promise. Whether I have a guest or not, I'm not sure. I might just hammer it out in the morning before I head down to cover the Raptors and the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, In the meantime, please make sure you're subscribing to, rating, and reviewing this show and all the other shows on the Locked On Podcast Network. We have got uh, so much stuff on the network for you. It's just absurd. You can also find myself at Woodley Sean on Twitter. You can uh, keep an eye out, keep a weather eye on the horizon at raptors.com as I'm taking over as the writer of the month for raptors.com in March. Got some pretty fun stuff that I'm already starting to work on. So look forward to that. Read my thing at Raptors HQ today about Terrence Davis, Norm Powell, and the Bucks. And that'll do it. Thank you so much. We will talk to you again on Friday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.